Welcome to our Spiritual Spotlight series, where we explore the vast and mysterious world of spirituality. Whether you're seeking guidance on your spiritual journey, interested in learning more about different spiritual practices and beliefs, or simply looking for inspiration to deepen your connection with the divine, then this is a show just for you. Join us as we delve into topics such as mindfulness, meditation, manifestation, energy healing, and much more. Our aim is to provide a safe and inclusive space for all listeners to explore their spirituality and connect with like-minded individuals. So grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, and let's journey together on the path of spiritual awakening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Spiritual Spotlight series. Today, I am with the amazing Danielle Tremblay, who is an animal communicator. She has um, two websites that are up. One is Insight with Animals, and the other one is LearnToTalkWithAnimals.com. And what I think is fascinating about Danielle is that she has been doing this since 2005. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of your awakening story into becoming an animal communicator? Sure. So let's see. So back then I was a science teacher teaching eighth grade. And I, during the second year of my five years of teaching in Amsterdam, New York, I actually uh, had a fellow teacher friend of mine approach me, you know, um, in between classes, she's like, listen, I don't know if you believe in things about the other side and psychic stuff, she says, but I was talking to my sister last night and I was mentoring you in conversation. And you have to understand my sister has intuitive abilities. And when she heard your name, she received a message for me to tell you. So I'm relaying the message that someday you're going to be talking to thousands of animals. So I remember saying to my teacher friend, I was like, oh, I've never heard of anything like that, but that sounds really great. Yeah. Because prior to being a teacher, I was a veterinary technician. So I've always had an affinity for animals. Right. And um, that night I went home and typed in people talking with animals because I didn't know what else it was called at that point. And up popped all these websites on people that called themselves animal communicators, pet psychics. uh, Some called themselves animal whisperers, um, an array of different names. Yeah. Um, But it was basically people who telepathed with animals or talked with animals with their thoughts, their feelings and their emotions. So I ended up hiring a woman who by phone did a reading for me, a session with my four cats. And she told me things that she couldn't have, she couldn't have possibly have known that were very accurate. And at the end of the call, I asked her, can anybody learn how to do this? And if so, because she said, yes, when can I take your next class? So I ended up actually signing up and I took a class and it was a workshop. There were four of us women. I was one of the four. It was uh, pretty much a seven hour class in her home in Newfoundland, New York. And that was how I got started. And after that, it was a lot of independent practice. I did choose to take some more trainings with other professional Mm -hmm. communicators, but that's what got the ball rolling back in 2005. Oh my goodness. And can you tell us for somebody who may not exactly know, what exactly does an animal communicator do? So... As an animal communicator, I can tune into an animal. I can feel their energy, the essence of who they are. I can receive their thoughts because they think just like you and I do, Rachel. They just don't happen to have the physical anatomy in the same design we have to necessarily voice those thoughts out loud. But they have thoughts. They have feelings. They're sentient beings. And I can hear their thoughts. I can ask them questions. Owners can ask, Danielle, can you ask my animal X, Y, and Z? And I receive the thoughts in the form of 
feelings, images, words. It's an array of language that I get replies back in. It's kind of like a 3B language. And mm-hmm. as it comes through, I translate all of that and voice it out loud for the owner. So it's almost like, so like a psychic and you're, you're very intuitive. Do you consider yourself a psychic or do you, do you vibe with that word? Or you just, I'm an animal communicator. Um, intuitive, <laughs> intuitive, psychic, they're generic words. And under yeah. that is the umbrella, if you will, of animal communicators and right. mediums and you know, people that do kind of, a. My, my heart resonates with the animals. I I can communicate with spirits on the other side of things of that sort, because intuition is intuition. Of course. Um, Energy is energy, but the animals, they, they really speak to me. I just, I just love what I do. I love how you just light up. You can tell, like you just, you're, you can even tell you feel your energy just lighting up. Like animals are definitely your passion. But what I love the fact is that you, you hit on all of these different clair senses. So clairvoyant, clairinstance, it's almost like you have all of those activated streamlined to communicate with the animals. I do. And, you know, when I first started as a beginner, I was mostly receiving visuals so pictures and images from the animals uh, and a few words here and there. And as I continue to experience and practice and practice the other avenues of intuitiveness basically opened up. So Mm -hmm. almost like, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you were also a teacher beforehand. So it's like, you knew, you know, you have to study and practice your craft so that Mm -hmm. you can become better and more in tune with it. Absolutely. And practicing is fun. I mean, it was fun way back when I used to keep this notebook, Rachel, of all the practice animals I worked with. And I would circle anything that the owner said was accurate, that made sense, you know, regarding the dog really had a red ball, ball, you know, they really responded this way when they got a bath or when visitors came, you know, all those real basic kind of black and white questions that owners could really say, yes, that's right, Danielle, or no, that's not, or something in between. And I would circle everything that I got right. And over time I had all the, all these pages or evidence, if you will, for myself that indeed the accuracy was snowballing over time and getting better and better. I love that. And it probably asked, also helped you build up your confidence with, with your abilities yeah. and your skills. That yeah. is amazing. Do you think that people are like, I know that you learned how to do this kind of after you were a teacher, you, I know that you were a vet tech, you worked at some upstate clinics, mm-hmm. you worked um, at the SBCA. Did you feel looking back then that maybe you had the gift then and just didn't have the skill set maybe yet? Absolutely. So when I was uh, a veterinary technician at the yeah. SBCA of Upstate New York in Queensbury, New York, uh, there would be times I would I was in charge of the cats. There was another gal in charge of the dogs. So I oversaw the cats. Yeah. And yeah. there were times that I would be every every time that I go into work, I would scan. I'd, I'd walk through all the rooms and scan the cats. And there would be certain ones I would stand in front of. And at that time, I didn't know animal communication existed. I was never. Uh, you know, uh, raised up in any right. sort of intuitive development work in that field at that point. But I could sense which cats were sick, something that was up. And it was often very accurate, very right. Or, you know, something was real off. And, and now looking back, it's like, ah, I was picking up the awareness of the energy. Wow. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's so, so do you feel like that you're almost born with it, but you have to activate that skill? Or is it something that maybe you also have to, if you want to learn, if I'm going two different questions here, one, people are probably naturally born with it. And two, I, cause I know you teach people how to do this. Can you teach somebody to do that? 
Yeah. So uh, we're all wired to do this. We are all energetic beings. That is our divine nature. You know, whether you are a a spirit who has a two-legged body like humans or a four-legged body like a dog, a cat, or a horse, we're all spiritual essence and spirit can talk to spirit and we're made up of energy. Energy can talk to energy. I mean, communicating between beings is no different than one energetic being connecting with another. So yes, anybody can learn it. I do think they're the the people that have come my way that I've taught as students, those that have genuine interest right out of the starting gate tend to be the ones that really, it doesn't take very much other than maybe a few intuitive exercises to really kind of open up the Mm -hmm. doors for them. Yes, it does take independent practice afterwards to gain, um, that kind of fluidity and in, in going back and forth and having a conversational style with the animal. Right. Um, but it's like anything else. You get on your bike for the first time, you fall off a few times, you learn your way and life teaches you what you need to know. The animals are great teachers. They teach you what you need to know, know along the way. So I don't just see as my past, you know, three main teachers teaching me this, but the animals did as well. And I do give myself credit and a pat on the back for being interested enough and willing enough to continue to, in the beginning, if I had a practice with an animal where I missed almost everything, I wasn't one of those folks that would say, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this again. I never did that. I was like, well, that was interesting. Okay, let's see onward and upward. And I'd go to the next animal. And I think attitude when it comes to a student's interest level and being willing to be uncomfortable and to be brave enough to say what you got or think you got from the animal and getting that feedback and confirmation from the teacher or from the, uh, the owners, mm-hmm. you know, the owners of the animals who know the, the animals inside and out yeah. is huge, but oh yeah, anybody can learn how to do this. Oh, I love that. Do you work with all types of animals? Mm-hmm. Yep. Dogs, cats, and horses are the most common animals and to find their way to me with their owners. And then I've had in the past snakes, meerkats, a kangaroo, um, rats, goats, breeding bulls, uh, breeding sheep, a gal who bred sheep and a herd that were having some health issues in the herds. We asked the sheep, the rams, what was going on? Uh, Oh yeah. Uh, You know, that we, it's a universal language, right? So telepathy is what we all speak on the other side. So I'm not doing anything I don't already know, but I did have to awaken it and ignite it through the classes I took, which is what students need to do when they're interested in learning something like this. Oh my goodness. I love that you, like, I love the fact that it's not just, you know, the, like you said, dogs, cats, horses, it's any type of animal that comes to you, you can open that up and communicate with them. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. You yep. bring up a lot about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I'll tell you a real quick story. So oh, yes, please. Uh, my husband and I, uh, so we live here out here in South Carolina these days. And in the summer during a singular, singular month period, we tend to have these little orb weaver, weaver spiders and they come out during the evening, spin their webs. And then during the day, well, at night, they eat their webs before early dawn. And then you don't see them at all during the day. Well, there was this one, uh, the first year we were living here named Charlotte. And I got to really know Charlotte. Well, I called her Charlotte. Okay. And she was always in the same place on our back patio. We would make sure we had our chairs out of the way when it was about time in the evening for her to come down. And I would communicate with her and just asking her things about her life. And she got to the point where she stopped being nervous of the fact that we were sitting right there, like three feet away from where she would drop down 
anchor her her um, web string on the very bottom of the cement patio and then zoom back up and start producing yeah. her entire web. She would do that night after, after night. Well, there was one day she's doing her thing. It's evening. And one of our dogs is blind. So he, the blind dog is walking around on the patio. And I happened to see Charlotte going down to start her web. And here comes Yoshi. And he accidentally stepped. Well, he probably stepped just right next to her with his paw. And he didn't realize it. Brandon and I, my husband and I, we stood up very quickly, Charlotte, you know, we were really concerned and she zoomed back up and she put herself into hiding. And I remember just asking her, are you okay? I offered her Reiki energy. She was willing to reset that. And she, she was really shaken up. I mean, something so big, she says it came out of the blue. She didn't, I mean, and I could feel her fear. And when you can feel another being's fear, at least for me in that moment, it was very easy for me to experience compassion for her. Of course. You know, a lot of people are not fans of spiders. I used to yeah. be terrified of spiders when, when I was younger, but doing animal communication work has basically healed yeah. <laughs> that aspect within me. But I conversed with her and the next few days, I remember asking her, are you going to be okay? She said she felt she would, but that she was going to lay low for the next couple of days. So the next couple of days, she ended up spinning her webs, but they were a little off. They weren't yeah. completely, but by day four, she was back to spinning her webs, you know, completely back to normal. But it was just a, I'm sorry she got nearly stepped on, but it was a very um, heartfelt experience. Yeah. I, I just love that little spider. So even insects, you know, bumblebees, uh, worms, yeah, you know, yeah. cockroaches, those animals that are insects that are maybe not as famous or as cuddly as other animals, they they have feelings and emotions and fears just like you and I do. And they deserve compassion too. Oh my goodness. Now, mm-hmm. when you're doing this, do you have to be like connected to the animal or do you find that animals will automatically, you start picking that up if you're in their presence? Yeah. Um, for me personally, I find I have to kind of drop down and be in that, that heart space is what I call it. Um, and when I drop down with my eyes open or closed, uh, it's kind of like my mind goes really still really quiet. And then I can sense and I can feel, uh, there have been times out of the blue, I'll sense something from one of my own pets, you know? Um, but usually, uh, I get myself squared away and then it starts. That makes sense. I'm, I'm the same way. I have to be in my heart space and then I can open it up. Otherwise I'm like, Choop! cause I feel like it's almost like energetic boundaries. Cause we, yeah. there's so much that's coming at us all the time. Like I, I don't, I, I don't know how I would manage always being open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's important for us to manage our energy when we're doing intuitive work. And that goes for all of us. Intuitive. Yeah, it doesn't even matter what we're doing. Apps, anyone needs to know how to manage their energy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Now you've brought up like you, that animals talk to you. So like, do you, do they naturally, do you naturally can tell what they're thinking? Can you f- feel it? Or like you said, is it all of it? Like they talk with you, yeah. you can see how they're feeling. So I can enter a conversation with them one-on-one where they're actively engaged with, with me. Usually I'll initiate that, especially if I'm working with a client and they want to yeah. talk, their, talk to their animal. Um, but if it's like wildlife, there are times that I will observe uh, like a bird, a wild bird, for example, out in our mm-hmm. backyard, out in our garden area. And I won't tune into them. In other words, I won't call to them, introduce myself or any of that. Instead, I'll just sense their energy. Mm-hmm. And from that point, I can sense what it is they're doing. Are they looking for food? Are they, how are they feeling? Are they looking for a mate? I, it's kind of like 
being a, a quiet, silent observer of them. I'm not intruding into their life in that moment. I don't always want to intrude or even actively ask questions. Sometimes I just want to be, be with them. Oh, I love that. Now, when you're doing your sessions, does the animal need to be present with you or can you um, have a picture? Either. Um, 99% of my sessions these days are done by the phone, uh, on the phone. Uh, International clients work with me uh, over Skype, typically. Um, I keep the camera off because I have found it distracting because usually when I start out working with the animals, I close my eyes so that I can focus on receiving. And then once it gets going, I I can open up my eyes or go back and forth with eyes closed or open. But yeah, most of it is by phone and it doesn't matter the location, doesn't matter if the animal's awake or asleep. During the conversation, I tell owners, they'll be, they'll be like, do I need to put my animal up to the phone? Do they need to hear you on speakerphone on the voice? And not at all. Let them do their normal routine because yeah. to them, they're telepathing all the time with you and life around them. So they don't need to do anything different than usual. And when my cat, uh, one of my cats was under anesthesia for a dental, I tuned into him. He was under anesthetic and I just, you know, I mean consciousness doesn't sleep, right? So the consciousness of who he is and the consciousness of who I am is wide awake and accessible. So I was asking him, how are you doing? Things like that. So yeah, now it it does help if the animal is, uh, I've had the rare animals say, I'm busy right now. I can't talk to you, you know, but that was mostly back in the early stages of me starting out and practicing. And um, I was just attracting, I think a little bit more of the anything and everything. (laughs) Whereas these days I've got more boundaries in place regarding who I attract, who I work with, things like that. But, oh yeah, I had a horse once tell me, I said, I was curious as well. Okay. I respect that. And I'll let you go. I'm just curious. What are you doing? And the horse was going through his paces, which it was a performance horse that the owner had given me permission to speak with on my own time. So I think that's what that was about. That, that that was actually going to be one of my questions. Are there any animals that you haven't been able to communi- communicate with? Yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah, the majority are very interested in having their animal or excuse me, their owners hear and understand them on a deeper level. Oh There's so much we humans, I think, misunderstand or misconstrue or we project. Uh, so projection is, you know, when we place our human ideas upon an animal, oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. He's doing that because... I'd say probably about 60, 70% of the time we're actually wrong as humans because we're placing our human cultural ideas and values and what we think uh, they're doing with their bodies based on how we use our bodies and how we live our life and lifestyle upon them. But dog culture is dog culture. Horse culture is horse culture. They have their own thing going on. So we can't project. It's, it's awesome to be able to sit back and hear, well, what are you really doing? I'm curious. That is so interesting. You're right. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to wrap my mind. That's so, that's so interesting. I'm like, I'm still, I'm, you can tell I'm like, that's really cool. Cause horse culture is horse culture, dog culture. That's, it's a fast. That's, I mean, you're, it's true. And yeah. we, we can't assume that we really truly know. Cause we're not part of that. We're not in their bodies. Right. We're not in their culture. You know, I, I've spoken with some, I'll give you an example. So every, this was a long time ago, so I can't remember names anymore, but it was a multi-dog family. There were three dogs in the family. And basically the owner wanted to know why dog one and two who were established and third came in later on in yeah. life uh, did not 
really like dog number three. And the dogs were saying something about, well, dog number three is really unusual. Dog number three is very feral. Like dog number three doesn't know the body language and have the same skill set as the average dog. Well, lo and behold, the, the owner eventually said to me, oh, how interesting they say that dog number three was originally a feral dog from one of the islands off the, had lived its life on the streets and was oh my gosh. On, taken in by people and basically right. domestic, you know, became domestic right. after that. So of course that dog is a different language, if you will, amongst dog speech. And so dog one and dog two just was like, he just doesn't communicate with us body language wise the way the average right. dog communicates. Were they able to kind of get on the same page or are you able to like, when you're communicating with groups like that? Yeah, we were able to um, converse and the owner, of course, had her thoughts that she really wanted to express because she really loved all three of her dogs. And she really wanted dog number three to feel accepted. And the dog was a little bit insecure as well, had some insecurities going on. And so we helped dog number one and two kind of understand the background of this dog so that maybe they could develop a little bit more of an expanded point of view because they only know what they know. Same with us. We only know what we know. And sometimes you've got to bring knowledge new knowledge to the animal friends so they can have the opportunity anyway to expand their way of thinking. Wow. What are some areas that an animal communicator can assist with, with the animals? Majority of clients come because they're, uh, they've either got a past animal that has just passed and they want to converse with, make sure they're okay. You know, did, did I let you go too soon, too late? You know, questions like that are very common. Uh, are you with so-and-so on the other side? Things like that. I get a lot of that. Um, I a lot of people that want to know their history of their adopted dog and cat, you know, from animal shelters or rescue groups. Um, with horse owners, uh, I get a lot of, okay, I just adopted this horse. What is his knowledge base skill set wise? What does he know how to do performance wise? And there's some horses out there like, I'm not green. I know an awful lot. And some will be like, and I don't really want to work really hard. I just want a nice relaxing life. Or the others are, I've met some horses with huge high, uh, you know, work ethic standards of I am a performance horse and this is what I do. And, you know, they're really, they're, they're just like people. You know, in the sense that some of us are more invested in doing certain jobs and others, not so much Um, others behaviors, you know, uh, you've got the dog, not getting along with this dog. Uh, You've got the situations, uh, cats, not using the litter box. Um, So behaviors where uh, there's not always peace in the household or sometimes fears, you know, um, they've got fears. So I'll I'll give you an example Uh, This was an example of a fear that wasn't always there that developed all of a sudden for a dog. Uh, And the owner has given me permission to share this. Many years ago, I spoke with a little dog who had been adopted, had been in the home for about, I think about eight months or so. The dog was a senior dog, little tiny guy, and didn't see very well. Was doing fine though, living in this household with the, the human family and the other senior dog that was already established prior to dog number two coming in. And then one day the owner booked a session. She said, dog number one has transitioned and dog number two is suddenly acting aggressive with us. He tends to get himself in a corner, like a corner of a chair or a corner someplace in the room. And he, if we get too close walking by him, he growls, he lunges, he barks, he bites. Now he's not biting us, but he's acting ferocious. And this is coming out of the blue. What's going on? And dog number two was like, what did you do with dog number one? Where did dog number one go? 
you've not taken wherever you left with him. I'm aware you left with him and you never came back. Now I dog number two, I'm very concerned about myself, my safety because you did something. And and the dog number two was assuming they did something bad or wrong. We had to explain to him. They took him to the vet. He had an illness. They had to release him that day. He wasn't well enough to come home. He was an old dog. And while dog number two wasn't best friends with dog number one, he relied on him because that dog was sighted. And dog number two got a lot of information from dog number one. And so dog number one was gone. And so dog number two was very... Underneath the aggressiveness was insecurity and not sure, you know, what, what life was going to be like. So we set him straight. We explained and I checked in with the owners and he like basically changed overnight. He went back to being calm. He just needed the missing piece of information. Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. I'm just like, I love this. (laughs) Now you mentioned that you talk with, um, past animals now I'm going to ask you this. Do you, do you find that they're in heaven with humans or all the beings together? I've heard two different schools of thought. They're different heavens for different beings or to you, is it everything all together? Uh, the way the animals. Okay. So <laughs> I ask when I ask for the questions, I word the questions the way exactly the owner words oh, it. Okay. I allow the animal. So the last things like, is my dog in heaven? Is he at the rainbow bridge? So, um, just the angles of the questions folks ask is always very unique. And I respect that and honor how they ask. And then I just go to the animal. And a lot of times there's a lot of similarities. They'll often mention parks and gardens. With that said, a lot of animals will often say, I'm sitting right next to you on the table. You know, if it's a cat or uh, I'm sitting right. So case in point. So I talked with a gal this morning uh, and her recently passed dog. And she wanted to know, you know, how's he doing on the other side? And his response was, I'm fine. And I'm still with you. And I'm still hanging out in that spot on the floor of your office by your feet, like I used to. And she said, Oh my God, he always did that. I said, well, he's still doing it. (laughs) I mean, so so a lot of times animals have expressed that there's kind of like a overlap or a if you think of onion skins, but yes. they're all in the same place. So layers, I can't think of the, the right word, but superimposed as if the animals are kind of in spirit, superimposed yeah. living where we're living. They can yeah. still see us access this. And the biggest message past animals tend to give is that I didn't go anywhere. I didn't die. That's a false accusation. Actually, they'll say things like that. It's a false idea. Instead, I'm still with you. I'm still in relationship with you. You think our relationship has ended or changed. The reality is I'm still here and as available to you as I ever was. If you're willing to um, kind of open your mind human yeah. and getting past the, you know, getting past the grief. And then you can sense me often when you're past the grief, because you're not holding yourself back or too low vibrational energy, which sadness often can help us in a lower vibration. And um, you, you bring up, yeah, you bring up a very good point because for me, like I look at death as just a doorway and it's like you said, the superimposed, I look at it like a staircase. Like you just like, they're up a different staircase than we are. Yeah. So that's, I love the fact that they're still with us. We just have to kind of expand our awareness and, bring up our vibration to be able Mm -hmm. to connect with that energy. Yep. And I look at it, Rachel is like, you know what? We're just like them. We just happen to have the bonus of a body right now. You and I do. (laughs) It's all it is. It's an extra bonus, (laughs) but we're really just like they are spirit with a body, their spirit. 
So almost like, so that you bring up another good point. Cause this is, that's my belief as well, that we're a soul having a human experience. So we're a soul within a physical body, like our body Deva. So I would imagine that animals, so animals also have souls and they're within their physical bodies as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. So my awareness is that a soul is a soul is a soul on the other side that soul can choose to incarnate into a human body, into a dog body, horse body, spider, plant, mineral, you know, um, and souls often, I I do get a lot of, a lot of animals that will say, oh, I really like this particular body type. So I tend to reincarnate again and again and again into this particular body type. Uh, And then there's my turtle, who's one of my two turtles has had a lifetime experience as a human. So, I mean, a soul is a soul and, and we all have the divine freedom, divine will to pick the kind of experiences we want right. to have when we're in the physical. I, that's so cool. Your turtle was a human. Mm-hmm. That must've been a very, how did that, how did that conversation go? <laughs> uh, he told me out of the blue one day, uh, I was sitting there having a conversation with him about something else. Totally yeah. off topic. He says, Oh, by the way, I was a human once and he gave me a year. This is way back in the early days of me communicating. He gave me a year. I was a Spartan warrior in the year, whatever. And I I have written down somewhere. And I was like, now I'm not a history buff. I don't know much about Spartan warriors. I don't know much about the year timeframe, but I researched it afterwards online. I'm like, oh, that's actually quite possible. The year he gave me, it it matched up. (laughs) Wow. he had had that experience. Yeah. And I know for some folks, that's kind of a, a stretch. Even the reincarnation can be a stretch for some folks because, mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody has a different set of comfort level yeah, of course, know, a belief system. And I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. But um, I find that the animals that bring up re- reincarnation stuff are bringing it up with owners that nine times out of 10 are totally open to that, yeah. you know, information. Have you ever found that owners and pets have had lifetimes together? Oh yeah. They bring- oh. oh, absolutely. So, so, um, my parents have a reincarnated cat that I grew up in with in childhood. So her original name was Puddin. So we adopted her from the, <laughs> the neighbors behind us when she started hanging out at our house. When I was a child, I was yeah. probably about, uh, 12 years old ish, give or take. Well, anyway, she came to us when she was about seven and she lived to the ripe old age of 22 years. And then she passed and at the time I was learning animal communication. I'm still new. So I actually hired my, my one of my teachers yeah. to communicate. And the cat said, Puddin said, I'm going to come back as the same type of kitty someday. And Danielle will find me. And that's all that was said. They're, they're the same type of kitty to me translated as she would be a calico with a calico yeah. coat again. And that's ended up how it be, how it was. So anyway, fast forward to I'm teaching, uh, you know, as a teacher, I'm learning animal communication in the early days. And suddenly these uh, boys, two boys, knock on, little boys uh, from the neighborhood, knock on my door, holding up this kitten one day in front of me at my door. And they're like, Miss Tremblay, I know you because you teach my sister eighth grade science. Well, I'm the little brother and I have this kitten. And do you want it? And I, I, I'm thinking to myself, where did two little boys get a kitten? What are they going to do if I don't take it? Well, at that time, I still had ties to um, some of the animal shelters and stuff. Yeah. So, so I was like, uh, what do you know about the kitten? Well, their story kept changing regarding where the kitten came from. So I was just like, you know what? I will take the kitten. But I do want you to understand, I if I can't personally find a home for it, I will put it in a no-kill animal shelter yeah. to give it the opportunity to be adopted. They were like, that's fine. Well, anyway, I... I 
I held the kitten. She was real sweet and calm. And, and the boys go walking down and I heard one of them say, see, I told you she'd take it. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Well, anyway, I put the kitten in my bathroom, not thinking anything of it because things like that, I've, yeah, I've, I've found stray animals before, yeah. so it doesn't phase me when I do. I always help them get to their next step. Well, anyway, I put the kitten in the bathroom separate from my other cat family. And three days later, you know, I've been taking care of her during this time. Uh, I started to line her up to hook up with a shelter and I was driving my car to my parents' house. And the thought hit me that I should probably tune into this kitten, take the time to actually tune in and, and yeah. see what she wants to tell me. One of the things, first things she says is, hi, I know you. I'm Cece carbon copy copycat of pudding and i'm like i'm driving i'm like oh <laughs> uh, i said i guess uh this means that you're meant to be with uh one of us again and she's like yep so i ended up talking with my parents and i i was maxed out for cats so yeah. they took her back but i mean she grew up in our household so she's used to them and the funny thing is here's a, a continuation of the story yeah so i told my mom and dad and you, my dad was a little skeptical. The cat really said this and the cat really was, you know, the reincarnation of Puddin. Well, he, they did indeed adopt her. And he said, Danielle, he said, he called me up one night on the phone. He's like, I was watching. They called her Cece because she yeah. said that was her net name this time around Cece. I asked Cece, or I said to Cece, if you really are Puddin, then you come on up here and you jump on my lap and you prove it to me that you are Puddin reincarnated. He said she wa- he watched this kitten, not even an adult cat, but a kitten, stop playing, look at him, jump on his lap, stare at him in the eyes for about mm, 10 seconds and jump back down and go back to playing. So he says, so there was my proof. He says, I thought you'd like that story. <laughs> I have chills. That yeah. is amazing. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Now, one thing that you do is you teach people how to communicate with animals. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? I've been teaching it since 2008. I, I've been doing this work uh, since professionally since 2006, learned it yeah. in 05. Uh, so I mostly teach classes by phone, right. phone groups these days. However, in the past, pre-COVID days, I was teaching <laughs> classes in person um, and some by phone. But, oh, yeah, people can learn this. Uh, I walk them through intuitive exercises mm-hmm. that help them to basically learn what it's like to feel, learn what it's like to drop down their heart spaces to access that point of being further away from the thinking mind so that they can actually feel and sense Mm -hmm. in a different way than the way the mind operates. Because I tell them, you want to learn animal communication? You're never going to get an answer from an animal from your mind. Your your mind's not going to receive it. But the other aspects, your essence will. So I teach them that and we practice with animals um, in person classes. They work with my animals in person, the dogs and the cats and the turtles, uh, the guinea pig when the guinea pig was here uh, alive. (laughs) He lived a long life, eight years. Um, And then with the phone sessions, they still work with my animal family through photographs that I have on a a static website page uh, that we access. And so I have them. You know, I say, ask the cat, the person, his or her personality. Uh, What is the cat's favorite places that she likes to hang out during the day? You know, um, can you describe what she tends to eat? Where does she tend to eat her food? Because, I mean, these are very specific questions. And depending on which cat they were communicating with would have different answers. Because my different cats eat in different areas. Some of them are on special diets because of health reasons. And 
So yeah, it's practice. And I tell people, you know, after you take an animal communication class, you're going to want to actually do some independent practice, be brave, work with open-minded family and friends, pets, ideally animals you know little to nothing about, because that way you're, you're going into the conversation with the animal kind of with a clear mind and it helps you stay out of your own way. Your mind can't really help you because it knows little to nothing about the animal. And so those, that raw organic, those raw organic impressions you get intuitively be brave enough, share it with the owner. They're yeah. going to tell you if it's right on or mm-hmm. not, or something in between. Cause what I find Rachel, when receiving from the animals, especially images that sometimes those images are literal, sometimes they are symbolic. Right. And you know, it, when you're a beginner communicator, you may not know, but either way, give it all. It's what I encourage them. My students do great. I don't know what it is, but the students do fantastic. They learn this. Um, many of them have actually become professional communicators themselves. Uh, I was one of, well, for some of them, I was their only teacher, but for some of them, I was one of a handful of teachers right. and years worth of, of practice for them. But it's, it's exciting to see those gals <laughs> doing I it professionally. Love that. Yeah. I love that. Now you have, how often are you teaching? Because I saw you had a course up in March. Yeah. Do you have one that's coming up? No, not at this time. Uh, these days, um, my husband and I are foster parents. So we, oh, we, you're busy. Uh, we're busy. <laughs> He's got a job. I've got my full-time career too. So, uh, yeah. I kind of do a, I do, I do teaching basically when it feels right to do oh, so. And I'll usually announce it about a month before the actual class. And then yeah. I send an email out to folks that are on my email address or I put it on that. Well, and I put it on the website. Um, I, I don't do huge announcements. I figure, you know, whoever's really drawn to this is going to find their way, you know, and I always tell people, you know, if you're interested in taking a class, I don't have to be your one and only teacher or even the teacher, but I'll offer you what I can. If you're just looking for some direction, if you want to go to animaltalk.net, it's a community community of um, animal communicators, uh, animaltalk.net. And there's a directory on there. Penelope Smith runs that website and there's a directory of teachers on there and you can choose a communication teacher that fits you, you know, resonates for you. So it doesn't matter to me who learns. Yeah. The one thing that I've noticed throughout this entire conversation that we've had, you are very led by energy. Like, I mean, and I love that because I'm, I'm an energy healer and I I think you're, you're also an energy healer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just, it's very much like, you're like, I will send out the, I will set the intention. I'll send out the energy and those who are meant to take it, will take it. I love that. That, I love that. (laughs) I like being in the flow of life. Yeah. I don't want to manhandle life. I don't want to have that steering wheel in front of me where I'm trying to control this or that. You know, I've been there, done that in my lifetime, this lifetime, and it's too much work. (laughs) I mean, life is a lot wiser than I am. So I'm just going to state my intentions, you know, what I want or think I want, modify along the way as I need to. And this or something better. The right people always find their way. Oh my goodness. I love that. What sorts of things have you learned from talking to animals? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, um, health has come into mind in this instance. So um, probably because of my vet tech background, I learned a lot of anatomy and physiology. I had to take those kind of classes. Yeah. I worked in the vet field, small practice. Uh, so that means dogs and cats and uh, pocket pets, uh, not large practice, which would be horses and cows, farm animals and stuff. But uh, so I can sense their bodies very well, um, bone structures, especially bone, um, skeletal system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a client many years back and her, 
dog was biting her every time that she she would uh, go to pet it. And the dog hadn't always been that way. And she mm-hmm. wondered what was going on. And when I scanned him, I could actually sense that there was a section in his vertebrae that was a little ajar. Um, and they ended up confirming that on x-ray with oh, a veterinarian. And I always tell people, I'm not a vet. I don't diagnose, right. treat, or prescribe, you know, but take this information back to your vet and have them look at it for right. you. Um, so indeed they were able to confirm that. So body stuff, I love body stuff. Um, digestion, stomach, uh, things like that, uh, really announces itself quite loud for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll tell you a story, true story, my own pet. So I had, uh, he's now passed. He passed at the age of 17, but a 17 year old cat back when he was probably about mm, 10, 11 years old, my cat beetle Bailey stopped eating. Now he was a healthy cat, didn't know what was going on. And I got nervous and yes, I was doing animal communication. I'd been doing it for years at that point, but I got nervous and immediately without speaking to him, booked an appointment at my veterinarian, took him in, did blood work, nothing showed up, x-rays, nothing showed up. Uh, she sent him home with putting uh, fluids, you know, subcute fluids in him yeah. uh, so he could get hydrated. And she said, let's watch and see. There wasn't any medication. She didn't know what she was treating. <laughs> she, right, 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 yeah. she hadn't eaten for, uh, I think it was two and a half days at that point, which is very unusual for that cat. And for cats, he wasn't obese, but for fat cats, especially, um, you really don't want them to not eat cats. You cats are in a species. They really need to be consistently eating. It's a okay. serious thing when they don't eat for that species, not always true for dogs, but anyway, finally I get home and I was like, beetle Bailey, that, that visit wasn't as profoundly beneficial as I was hoping for. Now I'm going to actually sit back and ask you what's going on. He says, Danielle, I'm fine. He says, I have hair. I have a hairball. It's stuck in my stool, which is slowing up the transit rate of the stool passing out of my body. And I said, so why would this have to do with not eating? Well, he says, what you put in has to come out. If it's already moving out slowly, why would I put more in? I'm going to feel sick and like I have to vomit and I don't want to vomit. So I'm avoiding vomiting. Now you have to understand, Bill Bailey, during this whole time and me being upset and nervous and uh, pre-conversing with him was cool as a cucumber. I mean, he wasn't acting sick. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't doing those things that yeah. sometimes cats, sick cats will do. I said, okay. I said, when are you going to start eating? And I got to asking him day after day. And he kept saying, nope, I'm not going to eat today. Nope, I'm not going to eat today. Okay. So day five is rolling around. Now I'm nervous and that's way too long for any cat to not eat. And uh, he says, I will eat in two days. I said, oh, why not today? That would be a great idea. He's like, because I have to pass this hairball. It's going to pass in two days. So when he passed his stool right on time, like he said, I, I took um, some toothpicks and I opened it up. There was the uh, hugest wad of hair I had ever seen in the stool. Oh my gosh. So that's what it was. And he started eating after it passed. He was just waiting seven days of no eating. He was drinking and Amazing. acting fine. And he knew what was going on the entire time. Do you find that animals are very in tune with their bodies? Yes. And with that said, some more so than others, the majority seem to be, you know, it's, it's just like people, you have different awarenesses, Mm -hmm. even in animals of how awareness, how aware and conscious they are of what's going on for them. And sometimes not so much. And then sometimes I'll receive information from the animals where they're relaying the information. And I 
get what I get. And sometimes it makes heads and tails for the owner and uh, vet team. The majority of times it does. And other times we can't seem to pinpoint it. Another story, true story, ended out good, ended well, but uh, the little dog the owner had brought to the veterinarian, the owner contacted me, my dog's at the vet, they're doing emergency tests. I woke up and I found him on the floor at the end of bed bed this morning, like a limp noodle. We don't know what's going on. He was a a senior, but not an old senior, doxy. And uh, I said, well, he's showing me this as if he's taking his, his hands, holding it over an organ And he's going like this, like flashing me. And what I see is a green stone. He keeps showing me this green stone. So then I asked him, did you eat a green stone? No. (laughs) Anyway, I said, by the time we were done, and this was in my early years of doing the work, I said to the owner, it's burning. It's hot. It's a green stone. That's all I'm getting. And take that information to your vet. Thank goodness the vet the owner later told me, said, well, the only organ that I know of that's green in their body is the pancreas. So they did an ultrasound and his ultrasound was about to burst. So they did emergency surgery, took care of that. And you live for like another, I don't know, four or five years. I mean, so, so, so it's very interesting because the interpretation of the energy, I get it as I get it. And right. I, I won't pretend hundred percent always know everything about yeah. what information means, but, um, you know, I'm not God. I always tell my students, I know you want to be perfectionist guys at doing this work to do the best at to your ability, but you and I are not God. We are not going to know everything. Absolutely. Still honor the animal, honor the raw intuitive impressions yeah. that you get and relay it, you know, and just trust that whatever needs to be known will be known when it's time. Yeah. That is amazing. Now, if anyone wants to book a session with you, the best way to get in touch with you would be go through your website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right on my website, people can book in online. So go to insightwithanimals.com. There's a booking page, gives you Perfect. directions on how to book. Perfect. And how far out do you usually book out sessions? Uh, uh, farthest is usually two weeks. Right now I'm only booked out about half a week, um, nice. which is unusual, uh, but I'm always booked out in advance. Always booked out. I yeah. That. Yeah. Any final words about animals and what they have taught you that you would like to share with us today? Taught me, um, they've taught me to expand my mind and really think outside the box. You know, we as humans, uh, at least me as myself, I only, I can only think the way Danielle thinks. I only know what I know or think I know, you know, but listening to the animals over the years, it's just, they have expanded my mind. They make me think about things in different ways. And because there's such a plethora of different viewpoints and perspectives amongst the animals. It has really helped me step a lot out of judgment because how can I judge another person or being without walking in their shoes? And sometimes I can walk in their shoes or sense from the animal's perspective and kind of be like in their shoes temporarily by feeling and asking and basically getting their unique experience. And some of them, just like humans, some of them are more sensitive than others. Mm-hmm. And some of them are more um, emotionally mm, open <laughs> uh, uh, than others. And so it's, it's fascinating to me. And so I guess I would, I would say to people that are interested in uh, hearing from their pets, approach this work with an open mind, know that you're probably going to hear an awful lot of information that you can confirm that you recognize your pet does this. He does that. You can see that when I describe his or her personality, it totally resonates for you because you you see the physical version with your eyes, but also be open-minded to 
learning new things about the animals because their perspectives are unique because of their body type. Their body influences them just like our human bodies influence us in the way we live. Right. Oh, that is amazing. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on this spiritual spotlight series. I will make sure to put up your website and everything. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the spiritual spotlight series. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you found the episode to be enlightening and insightful. Our goal is to create content that not only entertains, but also helps you grow spiritually and connect with your inner self. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, we would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment to like, subscribe, and write a review. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us and helps us to improve the quality of our content and to reach a wider audience. We believe that by sharing knowledge and insights about spirituality, we can help inspire positive change and personal growth. So if you found our podcast to be meaningful and informative, we encourage you to share it with your friends and family. Thank you once again for your support and for joining us on this journey of self-discovery and spiritual growth. We look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future.